It is now time for our speaker, Marlene, to share for 30 to 35 minutes on what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Please help, help me welcome Marlene. Yay! Hi, my name is Marlene. I'm a bulimic. I'm Marlene. Hi. I totally forgot. It's like 30 to 35 minutes. It's a, it's a solid chunk of time. Um, I may finish early, but um, yeah, we'll just see how it goes. Um, thank you so much, um, Joe, for asking me to speak this week. Um, I've spoken here before, um, I'm trying to think, you know, maybe it was a year ago or something like that, and um, or maybe less time, and I'm, it's such an honor to be asked to speak at an OA meeting, um, and I have so much respect and just an outrageous amount of compassion for this program. It truly saved my life, and um, like, I was just, you know, I, I just came from a, a meeting of the people program, you know, which I've joined as an amends to myself um, the second time through the ninth step um, with my sponsor. She's like, I think, you know, a nice amends to Marlene would be to go to the other program too, you know? So, mm. and, and there, there's a lot of kind of controlling behaviors and um, we were driving into this meeting. I'm like, it's just so fun, you know? Like, oh, wait, meetings, we just like to eat and isolate. So people just, you know, we're pretty nice, like, <laughs> at these meetings. We don't even really want to be here. No, I'm just kidding, we do. Um, but, so I'm just so grateful for this program. And I will stick to the format of what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Um, so, and I'm just, I also want to just say I'm so grateful that this is um, a really cool topic five years after. Um, because five years after, um, you know, really kind of signifies long-term abstinence. And, um, you know, when we read the big book and we read so many stories in the lifeline and all that, um, there's so much intensity about getting abstinent and about um, what it's like really kind of coming in and like the life or death aspect of this disease. But, you know, sometimes it's um, long-term abstinence and what it looks like after several, several years is not really something that's talked about in much depth. Um, and so I really like that we have the opportunity to, um, to talk about this here. Um, so anyways, what it was like. Um, you know, my first word was good while eating food. Um, <laughs> I was eating popcorn in my grandma's lab, and she's like, oh, this is so exciting, you know. And um, I was like, this is exciting for me, too. I love food. Um, and, um, I've, you know, I've heard somebody, um, somebody who I deeply, deeply admire in programs say that food always fixed in her something that deeply needed fixing. Mm. And I absolutely relate to that. For me, um, you know, I grew up in a pretty... Um, and, you know, just a rough alcoholic home. Um, there was a lot of, um, you know, just emotional and physical abuse. There was um, a lot of insecurity, financial and otherwise, just a lot of walking on eggshells and tension. And, um, and you know, food was always there. Um, I remember um, we would, I'm trying not to share things that I've already shared. Um, but I remember, like, my sister down the hall, you know, getting screamed at and, 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 you know, physically abused by my father in her room and being three years old and feeling like, oh, my God, I have, you know, this is so uncomfortable. And, like, sneaking to the kitchen and stealing this box of um, ice cream bars. And we used to get these ice cream bars. And if you were good, well, actually, you pretty much always got ice cream in my house after dinner. You had to do something really bad. And you could choose if you wanted to get a spanking or no dessert. And my sister always chose no dessert. And I was like, you're crazy. I always chose a spanking. Um, 
And so, you know, and I remember stealing my whole box of ice creams and you were only allowed one a night. And I went into my room and I locked the door and I remember thinking, I don't know what's going to happen, but I am... I need these. And it was like, you know, like a heroin addict. Like I was like having my needle in my arm. He's like, oh. you know, just like that, that like calming effect that food has on me um, and, and fixes me. Um, so just kind of to jam through, um, you know, I never really was like an overweight um, kid, but my parents both worked for a commercial weight loss company and they put me on that commercial <laughs> weight loss company when I was nine years old. Um, and, you know, Honestly, it sounds kind of rough, and I definitely, you know, like made myself out to be kind of a victim when I was younger. Like, you guys don't understand. I went to that program when I was nine and whatever. But, you know, for them, they both were made fun of for the way they looked when they were growing up, and they really, truly wanted to give me, like, this was their solution. They both were in the program themselves, you know, and they thought, like, this would really help her. But for me, it just made me very aware that, um, it, you know, I might look better if I was smaller. And, um, I had like a five pound weight loss goal and I would always ditch the meeting and just go across the street because there was this really nice little cafe and they had these awesome brownies. And so Tuesday nights became my favorite day of the week, you know, because <laughs> I would ditch the Weight Watchers meeting and then I would go across the street and get like a hot chocolate. I was like by myself at nine years old, you know, I would steal money from my mom's purse and they were like, oh, she wants the brownie, you know, like they knew me. And um, anyways, so, um, and that was kind of my deal though. And Tuesday are still my favorite day of the week because now I have the ABC meeting at the Castro Country Club, which I absolutely adore. It's my home group. So um, it's really fun to see a lot of people from my home group tonight. Um, anyway, so from there, I remember, um, you know, I got this really skinny best friend in middle school and I, she's, to this day, she's dropped at gorgeous. Now she has a cocaine habit, but oh my God, I was so envious of her body and still kind of like look on Facebook. I'm like, damn girl. And then I'm like, right, cocaine stuff. But, um, <laughs> you know, um, but I remember, you know, she, I really, really kind of worshiped her for the way that she looked. And, um, you know, it's funny because I think that what I really worshiped in her is she had this sense of confidence and, um, just like, self-assuredness that I never had, you know, and I really admired it. But my brain, because I have this disease, the only way that I could really kind of translate that is, oh my God, she's so skinny. I want to look like that. Mm -hmm. I want to be that, you know? And so I just, her mom was like an aerobics instructor. And so she would like, I'd be like, train me, train me, get me to lose weight. And so like, I remember eating like really bizarre, like foods that just ended up making me super gassy, you know, and like at her house. And, um, and then like swimming in the pool, like for like a million laps or whatever. Um, and, and yeah, that was kind of my existence. And I remember, um, you know, I'll share this too, like, because my home was um, pretty tumultuous, like, I remember also, like, really craving to have, like, a sense of stability and love that I wasn't getting in my house. But, again, the way that my brain translates that, you know, I would go to kids' houses that I, like, blatantly didn't like, like, kids that were really bizarre from my school growing up. Um, and it was because, like, they just had, like, that warm, lovely glow in their houses, like, where everything was peaceful. But the way that I translated it was, like, oh, I love their pantries, you know? And I remember, like, hanging out in their pantries and then literally being, like, hey, um, can we, like, play tag or, like, whatever it was? I was, like, yeah, right, that's, like, so exhausting. Like, I'm in here with the bagels, you know? And, um... <laughs> It, that was, you know, that was my very limited worldview back then. And I remember I looked through some, like, diaries when I was growing up, too. Like, I think probably, you know, like, I was like, oh. Um, and, I like, the things I wrote about, like, I wrote down all of my food compulsively. Like, when I was so young. Like, just really diarying out, diary 
journaling out, you know, like I had, you know, this, 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 it's like so boring to look back on, you know, like I kind of wish I had like had thoughts, you know, and like, it'd be cool to see what like little Marlene thought, you know, but really it was all just like, how much do I weigh today? You know, like jot that down. What did I eat today? You know? And, um, and then I had like, um, like I had like approximations, like my guesses for what I would weigh in a year, you know? And like most kids I think probably have like dreams for like things they'll accomplish or like what profession they'll have in the future. But I was like, just please don't let me get beyond like this amount of weight, you know? Like I would just die if I got like, you know, that was like my life aspirations, you know? And um, anyway, so fast forward, I, I remember telling my mom that um, I had a really big problem with like, uh, like elimination, you know? And so I was like, I need laxatives, you know? And, um, and she was, I don't, you know, my mom, I love her. She was just kind of like, okay, whatever, you know, I guess you need laxatives then like a lot of them, you know? And so like, I would like every week be like, we need another packet. And so then I just started like abusing laxatives in middle school and oh my God, you know, for those who haven't tried it yet, don't like that is the most painful, painful experience. And yeah, anyways, whatever. It sucked. I really, um, wish I hadn't done that. But, you know, I don't regret the past because um, I've met so many sponsees that have abused laxatives and um, it's really great to not, to be free of that and to see a packet, like I was cleaning out my drawers in my childhood house, like, and I found like a packet of the like unfinished laxatives in there and it was like, it, it truly was like um, recoiling from a hot flame. You know, I really was like, oh God, I do not want this. And really quickly, like was like, and we're throwing that away. Um, when I was in high school, um, again, very obsessed with my body, um, and I uh, joined the wrestling team because I was on the soccer team, but I remember there were some girls who were like, oh, she sucks. Like, you know, I overheard them just talking about, like, how uncoordinated I was at soccer or whatever, and, like, I was, like, bringing down the team, which I probably was. Like, that was probably fair. But um, they were like, so I was like, I'm going to join the wrestling team because it's like, I know there's, like, this weight thing in wrestling, and I know it's, like, really intense working out, and nobody's going to have any expectations for me because, like, look at me, you know, like, I can't. I'm probably not going to be that great at it. So I did. And, um, and it was like this really awesome, positive thing. Cause I got, um, a bunch of like, like there was like such a wonderful team camaraderie feeling and so great. But then again, it's like, where does my disease brain go with that is, um, you know, I just, um, became really obsessed with the way I looked and I was again, still using laxatives to try to get down to weight. And, um, and it just became about like restrict, restrict, restrict. Then after weigh-ins on Fridays, you know, I'd have like like bring like really bizarre like you know high sugar foods for after the weigh-in and then like have like go to cold stones or whatever like that night and get like the biggest size possible and just like check out and I remember like I had a boyfriend at the time and like he would go with me and it was like once I had my ice cream it was like we were no longer really hanging out like whatever he was talking about like I remember him literally like at a time in our relationship like taking away a bag of chips from me because he was like you're we're like having a conversation and you're like not in it anymore, you know? Cause I was like, I think I like just hadn't eaten enough that day or something. And so it was like, chips, you know, like this is, this is what I need. Like the blackout to the rest of the world. Um, and then when I was a junior, no, a senior in high school, um, that Thanksgiving, I had been kind of fantasizing. So I quit wrestling after three years. I was like, Oh, this is too hard. Um, I want to find like an easier, softer way. And so, um, on Thanksgiving of my senior year, um, it was at my grandma's house, you know, like kind of binged on Thanksgiving food. It was so great. And then I went into the bathroom and, you know, I don't know how I did it, um, but I just forced myself to purge for the first time. And I remember like 
looking at myself in the mirror and just feeling like, yes, I have arrived. Like, this is like, now I can do Thanksgiving all over again, you know? And, um, and I did, and I was really excited about it. And that, um, that amazing freedom, um, with, with food lasted maybe like two weeks or something. Um, and, and then it was like extremely, extremely painful. I'd get up to like, you know, um, binging and purging like seven times a day. I remember going on this um, amazing trip that was um, like a big deal for my family. My mom brought me to um, France to visit and, and Madrid to visit my sister who was studying abroad. And like, I don't really remember. I remember like the hotel lobby, um, like the apples that I would steal from the hotel lobby because that's the only thing I felt comfortable eating and not throwing up. And then, you know, like I remember my, my sister brought us to this restaurant on Christmas day that was in Paris and it was this really lovely restaurant. And the bill came out to like $300, which was really expensive for the three of us for our financial, you know, whatever. And I remember my mom being like, well, I guess grandpa gave us this extra money for the trip. Like we'll use it here. And there was just all this like intense guilt or whatever, like around my sister didn't know how much this was going to be and whatever. And like, and I just threw up that meal. And I remember mm. thinking like, wow, I, I don't want to throw this up right now because it's like so much money. It's literally down the drain, you know, but I was like, but I just can't, I can't sit here with it in me, you know, I can't. And also I couldn't like be present in that experience of like, people are really uncomfortable right now. This is a, an awkward situation. And like, yeah, I don't know how to deal with conflict. And so I just got high in the way that I get high, um, which is purging. Um, so anyways, you know, there was a lot of that. And then finally I went to school back East, um, to school in New York and, um, it started to be really, really expensive. I kind of maxed out on my, my school, my, like, um, my meal plan really quick. Cause I was just like binging and oh, that was great. You know, <laughs> like just swipe in, you know? And then I like, like I had like the biggest meal plan and I used that like in three months or something. And people were like, how did you do that? You know, they're like letting me borrow their meal plans. And then it was just like, I lied to my mom saying like, I really need to, um, you know, like get food elsewhere in New York or something. And so I just ended up stealing a bunch of money to do that. And, um, and basically, you know, I was leaving class. I was lying to my teacher saying that like, oh, my grandma died again, you know, and just all these things. Cause like if I ate like a bagel in class, like I remember always thinking like I'd walk to this, um, like these like little, um, like pan quotidian, like whatever it was in New York. And I'd get like a bagel, you know, and a tea or something. And I'd be like, and this is the day that I'm going to sit through class. I'm just going to eat it. And I'm going to like pay attention. I'm going to be like everybody around me who can like handle it, you know, and like look really good at like 9am, like those people, those shiny, amazing people that like, I can't comprehend how they do that, you know? And I would get through like 30 minutes and I'd be like, it's digesting, it's digesting, can't handle it, you know? And then I just bounce, you know, and get like, what, $40 worth of binge food, which was not that, you know, like, which was like so resentful about how expensive food was in New York. Like, and then once I got abstinent, it was like suddenly manageable. Like suddenly I was able to afford food. It was like, oh, this is interesting. But um, anyway, so I remember calling my parents and um, it was like, 3 a.m. New York time and, and midnight um, California time. And I called my parents and my dad had been in a 12-step program. He was an AA. And, um, and I was like crying on the phone and my mom answered the phone and they were both like asleep. And she was like, I don't, you know, I don't know what to do for you, honey. Like, 
I'm sorry. And I was like, I feel suicidal. Like, I don't know what's going to, you know, and she just passes the phone to my dad and my dad goes, all right, look up online. Like there's like two food programs. One of them seems pretty intense and rigid and the other one seems a little more loosey-goosey and easy. So pick one of them and just like look up online the meetings and just get to the first one. Like, so you can't even think about it. And so I was like, I'm going to pick the easy one, you know? So <laughs> I found, you know, the meeting schedule and I went to a meeting the next morning at 7.30 a.m. And, um, and I walked into this meeting and it was like all these high-powered business women that just looked so put together and just like everything that I didn't even know that I wanted, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and they were all abstinent and reading from the big book and, um, just talking about the horrors of, um, the disease and how they were past it. And I, there was this woman next to me who said, hi, my name's blah, blah, blah. And I'm a bulimic. And I just started sobbing because I truly, mm -hmm. truly had never met anybody who else, who had this problem. And I really thought that I was the only one on the planet who did that. And people started talking about like how they took food out of the garbage and like food that was moldy and like, you know, like, like how they put soap on it and then like wash it off because like to not have their food meant like they would die because like life on life's terms is just not what we do, you know, base level. And so, um, and so I started going to meetings every day and I got, um, a sponsor immediately and, um, you know, we started working the steps immediately and, um, after the first, I had like nine days of abstinence um, the first time around when I, I relapsed because um, I was lying to my sponsor and she called me on it really quick. And then, you know, from there, like she kind of set in place like a very kind of strict, rigid, like way to, you know, work. And, um, and I was so desperate. I was like, fine, I, I'll do whatever you say. And um, that is the abstinence that I still have. And that was March 23rd, 2008. Um, so next, next month, it'll be seven years. Um, and... I mean, um, you know, so it's been almost seven years, right? And we're talking about five years after. And, um, yeah, there's been a lot that's gone down in those past seven years. I mean, um, I had a relationship. Um, we were on and off for 10 years that just ended last mm -hmm. September. It was, like, incredibly painful. Like, one of the, like, definitely, like, the hardest thing I've gone through. I've had, like, three out of my four grandparents die and, like, you know, I've had um, disappointments, and then I've also had, like, amazing highs, like, graduating from college when, you know, like, the first semester, it was, like, I was such a mess. There was no way I could have, there's no way that I could have done so anything in life. And it's funny, like, I was talking to one of my um, sisters in program, and, like, we were talking about, like, compliments that people give you, you know, like, like, in, like, after being abstinent, and I was, like, you know, it's so funny, because, like, like, I got a Christmas card with, like, a really big bonus from my bosses, and, um, and, like, all the things that they said they liked about me were, like, literally the direct result of working this program. Like, none of those are, like, baseline Marlene, you know? Like, it was, like, you are so reliable. You're so honest. You're so hardworking. You're so kind and patient, you know? And I was, like, that's hilarious, you know? <laughs> literally, like, I mean, my experience explosive like rage that I used to have and um you know just like being cruel like I remember um like my sisters um who I have I'm best friends with her today and she I love her so much um you know but we had kind of like an intense relationship growing up and she's very sensitive and I remember like um you know in early abstinence I was um you know things are just really intense Early, I sorry, I have so much I want to say. Like, you know, but working with sponsees now, it's it's funny because there's this idea like, well, once I put down the food and once I get abstinent, like, then it's gonna, then I've arrived, right? Like, then it's gonna be 
everything's just going to work out because I'm abstinent. Like I'm not doing that crazy stuff anymore. So it's going to work out now, you know? And the reality is that once you put down the food, everything you are covering up is now up on the surface. And we are people who don't like to live life on life's terms. And we're people who like to coat the nerves, you know? So when the nerves aren't coated and we have to deal with life on life's terms, it feels insane. I remember I was, I was like in a full on rage and like a serious case of the fuckets. My first six months of abstinence, you know, and I was like, I did not sign up for this, you know, like this doesn't really make sense to me, you know, but I remember like having this fight with my sister and her, you know, just saying like, I don't know why, like, why you just won't call me back. Like just be reliable in our relationship. And this was early abstinence, you know, and I just, I was so enraged and I didn't know how to deal with like, you know, I hadn't really like worked all the steps. I didn't have like the, the skills, you know? And I remember just looking at her and say, and like literally, I was so cruel. I just looked at her and I said, you know what? You are this, that, 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 that. And I confirmed every single insecurity she had, you know? Because I knew like all the things that were hard, like that she struggled with. And it was so cruel. I mean, that really looking back, that's like one of the meanest things I've ever done to somebody, you know? Mm. But like now, like, I know how to deal with conflict. And I remember her being, like, you know, another thing, like, in early apps, like, we're really learning. We're being reborn. That is what this is. The steps and, we're, you know, and, and being consistently abstinent, you know, and dealing with life on life's terms, we're truly reborn. And I can honestly say, thank you. Wow, 15 minutes. I'm, like, I don't even, I thought it was going really slow. But um, I just talked fast. Maybe that's it. But, um, you know, like, I, um, oh, I totally lost my train of thought. Hold on. Um, Thanks, Molly. <laughs> reborn, you're reborn. Um, but like, I remember, um, oh crap, I feel like it was a good one too. Um, <laughs> just kidding. You're going through the steps. Oh, right. Like, um, <laughs> you know, you're going through the steps and you're learning these, n- these new skills that we've never had before, you know, um, but before you kind of do that and, and, you know, if you don't stick around, like it's, it's just really challenging. And now like we have this incredible relationship, my sister and I, and Oh, this is what I remember. Like, I remember like four years into abstinence, her being like, why don't you just talk to me like a normal person? I feel like you, like whenever we have conflict, you kind of go into this like really calm place, you know, where you're like all of a sudden like a little Buddha or something. And you're like, well, I feel like, you know, and when you do this, I think this, you know, and she was like, why don't you just talk to me, you know, just like get it out. And I remember, and I told her, I was like, well, you know, I made an amends to you. And when I made that amends, I said, I am sorry that I, I'm truly sorry that I did that to you. I will never ever do that to you or to anyone else again. Mm -hmm. And so now I can't do that. You know, like Marlene's baseline way of dealing with conflict is to be a total asshole, you know? And so I can't do that anymore. And this is my best effort not to do that anymore. And so I may sound a little inauthentic, but I'm working on it, you know? Mm -hmm. So just hang in there, you know? And now, like, I feel like I've gotten to a nice middle ground, you know, where we can talk and it's like, it's better or whatever. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, the first like four years of program, I think that I really focused on the food, you know, and, um, and now my food is very, it's very, um, very like non-dramatic and it's like not even worth talking about. Of course it's worth talking about because we're in an OA meeting, you know, but it's like I learned how to eat by going to a nutritionist, um, which was really helpful. And I turned over my food um, to my sponsor for like the first four years and then, or maybe it was five. And then working, I got a new sponsor when I moved back to the Bay Area. And um, 
And I said, you know, I don't really think I need to just turn over my food anymore. And she was like, okay, that's cool. And that's another thing is that the things that we do, you know, they can change over time. There's certain things. I mean, for sure, you know, there are so many things that I do today. Like, um, I always get down on my knees in the morning and I pray. And I always make three or four meetings a week without, a, you know, like, <laughs> it's funny. Like, I feel like I'm, like, totally reborn. And so I love the way who I am now. And other people like me, too. And I have these incredible female friendships that I really adore. And, like, things are going really great in my life. And then it's, like, I'll get, like, the flu or something and not make my meetings for, like, a week. And I'm, like, wow, I really, this is okay. All right. This is Marlene, like, baseline Marlene. Like, I don't really like this person very much. Time to go back to my meetings, you know? Mm. Um, but, yeah, um, I would say that, you know, now it's really come to be about the emotional recovery. Um, and, you know, what I've learned is that I really didn't like um, dealing with, with emotions. I was not okay dealing with emotions. And the thing is that's really hard about that is um, I like to push things down, right? Like, I like to just, like, because then they'll go away. But the thing is is that they don't go away. So, um, like, when that relationship ended... Um, you know, we were on and off, so I had a lot of other, like, little mini things on the in-between, and just so much I hadn't dealt with. I hadn't dealt with anything, you know, really. I mean, I was, I was learning to deal with things, and that was, like, six years into recovery, so, like, I had learned to deal with things, but then grieving that loss, it was, like, all of a sudden, there was grief, uh, grief of so much, you know, like, I really felt, like, an emotionally, like, an infant, you know, because there was all this sadness that I just hadn't dealt with of, like, past people, and, disappointments about my family, you know, because it was like, well, this boyfriend, he's going to be everything for me now, you know, because that's what I do, you know, like, um, I want, I want a fix. And so after the first, you know, like the first five years, I'd say I kind of like turned to men to sort of be my fix, if I'm going to be completely honest, you know, and then I joined another program. Um, and so, you know, now it's pretty much just me and God, you know, like we're just doing the super clean, clean lifestyle and it's really beautiful, you know, like on my Friday nights, um, like this is a total joy to be here tonight and I have a friend that came with me and like she is, you know, just, I have true beautiful friendships that I never thought, I was terrified of women, like thank you, up until like, like legit like a year ago, you know, like I was so terrified because I thought like I'm so icky and disgusting inside and outside you know but inside especially that like women I felt like just had like laser vision you know and that they could just like see inside my soul and so if I like you know talk to women that they would like definitely see that like right away and they would just know that and so I pretty much just turned to men and you know we all heard how that turned out you know and so but now, like, in the past year, I'd say, you know, um, I'm working the steps again in a very, um, a very, very deep way. Um, I've worked, this is my third time going through the steps, and, um, and it's really cool because, like, on my Friday nights, most Friday nights, I'm having, like, a really nice sober dinner with my girlfriends, and, mm -hmm. um, and I don't even have a problem with alcohol, but I've just chosen not even to drink it because I'm just, like, so into just, like, being connected with, like, female friendships, you know, and... Um, like, my finances have really, really um, sorted themselves out. Like, I have, like, you know, I've been able to save, like, a lot because um, I've been applying to grad school, and I just found out on Monday that I got into, like, one of my top programs that I really felt like it was a stretch for me to get into. And um, 
like I have money saved to be able to put toward that, you know? And mm. that was just not how I, how I handled things before. I would have never even thought to do that before. Mm. You know, it was like, I remember in the beginning, um, reading from the big book, um, that we live from life running from post to pillar and really feeling like, yes, that is what my life is. Like it was not even like one day at a time, like, you know, in, in, in the disease, it was like this second, you know, like this second is all that matters. And, mm. you know, I remember like binging so much and like feeling so sick and, um, you know, and things coming up, not so great, you know, and sorry, this is graphic, but I honestly really like it when people share graphically because I need to relate on that gritty level. And so like, I remember like being like, oh my God, like if I choke right now with this coming back up badly and if I die, like, wouldn't that be so sad if that's how people had to find me? Mm. And I was like, I don't care. Cause I have to, you know, mm. like this is just how I get through life. And, mm. and so like, you know, I didn't have any concept of like, um, financial, emotional, anything security, you know, it was just like, like you're getting in my way. Like I have to like, you know, just like get my food, purge, be high, pass out, do it again, you know? And so now, um, wow, I really truly never thought that my life could get to where it is now. Um, I've, you know, like I said, it's, um, almost seven years of abstinence and a little over seven years of being in the program, like seven years and two months of being in the program. And, like I have long-standing friendships and people like my best friend we met um like six years ago and like she never we lived together and like I never once threw up in that toilet mm -hmm. you know and like that's crazy and so fun and clean to know that we lived together for two and a half years and she didn't know me as a bulimic mm -hmm. you know and we've known each other for like a long time now you know and that's crazy to me that she doesn't you know like she only knows me like she's like she says to me she's like you're like the most honest and giving person that I know and I'm like that's crazy because literally like I stole from my grandparents money to be able to buy binge food like I like you were in my way like if you were in my way to like you know like driving to 24 hour fitness at 5 a.m in the morning so I could get in a workout before school because I was so obsessed with my body it was like I would run you over that was not a problem you know like to be able to get to the gym and do what I needed to do because I was so self-obsessed. And to now have friendships who like don't even know me at all in the disease is mind boggling to me. Like it's beyond incredible. And like, I live again, I've lived with my family again, seeing the crime for three years now. And like when I moved back from New York, um, I was so scared of like how I was gonna be able to handle that. And now it's like my parents, are so lovely and I can truly love them for who they are today and know that they really did did do the best they could and now I can see them and see like wow you know like um <laughs> like I was sharing like this um funny story of like a few months ago like my mom and I walking down the street and us um my mom seeing this person who was walking this woman who was walking by who was really thin and she was like wow look at that woman she looks great and I looked at her and I was like she looks like she has an eating disorder and my mom goes oh, she has something, you know, and, um, and me just being able to laugh at that and be like, well, I wonder where I get it from, you know, and, move, and like move on with the day, you know, and not being like, thank you. Like, what does my mom think of me? Like, do I look like, does she think I'm just like such a disappointment because of like, I'm at a healthy weight? It's like, no, like, you know, like move on. My parents are dealing with the tools they had and they still are. And we have beautiful relationships and they tell me 
consistently that they're proud of me and that they love me and that they like cherish our relationship that we have today you know and it's been like really low drama in our house like so it's just it's it's truly a rebirthing process and if it's I mean there's actually a lot of you know long timers in the room right now but if you're if you're new and you're struggling and for those on the podcast you know like just stick around you know because you truly like my thinking is finite and God's will is infinite Mm -hmm. and truly they're like God didn't bring you this far to drop you and like I remember like you know if you have dreams in your heart and things that feel like you know I'm abstinent and it's really hard and I want my life to look differently just don't leave you know just stick just stick with it because, and just stay where you are and keep doing the things that are keeping you absent and just be open to life's possibilities because really and truly God didn't put those dreams in your heart for nothing. You know, like God, the best service that you can be, like a sponsor told me, the best service you can be is like feeling truly alive and satisfied and, and at harmony with yourself and the world, you know? So if that hasn't happened yet for you, Mm. just keep coming back, you know, and, and just, um, take it one day at a time and be gentle with yourself. Um, because we like that big stick, you know, like I take out the big stick still to this day and say, like, you're not doing it perfectly. And this person's been absent off sugar and flour for like 20 years. So like, what the heck are you even doing? You know? And it's like, that's not OA. That's not God. You know, that's just my crazy disease, like contorting itself to be, you know, the thing that will break my seven years of abstinence, you know? So thank you so much for letting me share. I'm so grateful for all of you because it's truly, truly what what keeps me um, what keeps me sane and absent today. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Thank you. And our speaker will now field questions from the Ask It Basket until 8.55. I'm going to ask you to hold this cool. for me. What enabled you to turn your will and your life over to a higher power? Um... So, you know, okay, so what enabled me to turn my, my will and my life over to a higher power? I think we, both, we all do that one day at a time. You know, like the prayer that I say when I get down on my knees in the morning is the third step prayer. And, um, and also the St. Francis prayer is kind of in my jam these days. I love that prayer so much. Um, it's really beautiful. But, um, you know, a lot of times in the beginning, it really took me being in a lot of pain to turn my will and my life over, to be honestly. I'm a very stubborn person, and I really have a good vision, I think, of how life should be, and um, I have really good ideas. And so it took a lot for me to stray from those ideas and realize, okay, you know, all right, God has a better plan, maybe, maybe, you know? And, um, and so today, I would say that... Um, I just look back on on different circumstances and I think like, okay, had I gotten this, you know, like, okay, I always wanted, you know, to get into that school or I always wanted, I wanted to get that promotion or I wanted to, you know, I wanted that guy to fall in love with me, you know, and it's like, okay, I look back and I see like, how did it turn out? You know, what happened? And I see that I'm, my life is really sane and honestly beautiful today. And if that had happened you know, I have no idea what would have happened. And so I, I, I'm willing for God to, I'm willing to take your lead today, God. And that's kind of, I mean, I think that's pretty much how I do it today. Great. What has been your biggest challenge in recovery and how have you dealt with it? Um, I would say my biggest challenge, um, that's a really great question. 
Biggest challenge in recovery. Um, there have been a lot of challenges. I mean, yeah, a lot of challenges. I think just living in our society, you know, it's like we're not really set up to believe that, like, being at a healthy weight is a really good thing. And, um, you know, taking life on life's terms is a really good thing. And living simply, you know, being of service to others, like, those aren't really, like, societal goals that are really going on for us, I don't think. But, um, you know, I would say that, um, like, this recent breakup has, was really hard. But I don't know, you know, honestly, like, it's become, like, a way of life um, using my tools, and it's become, you know, like it says, like, what used to baffle us, like, we, we intuitively know things which used to baffle us, and I intuitively know, like, something's up, I need to write a 10-step. But I will say that, like, um, recently when turning in an application for this grad school that I really wanted it, and it being, like, two days until the deadline and working on this essay and wanting it to be absolutely perfect, you know, like, I had these cravings that came up that were, like, whoa, <laughs> you know, like, it was kind of, like, I need to drive to 7-Eleven right now, you know, and get this thing. And mm. it was, like, too late to call. It was, like, conveniently too late to call anybody or whatever. And, you know, I've learned that um, that it's kind of those, like, smaller things, you know, that are harder for me now. Like, the big things it's, like, I know to go to my sponsor about. But the smaller things where there's, like, just that intensity that all of a sudden flares up and I didn't even, you know, know it was kind of inside me, like, that is when I get down on my knees you know, I take a walk and I listen to a speaker podcast, you know, I um, drink some water, I read literature, I try to meditate, you know, guided meditations are a little bit easier for me, I, um, you know, those, I just do what I've been taught, and, um, and, and somehow, as it always does, this, it passes. How do you deal with the intense feelings that come up in a fourth step, especially anger? Wow, that's a really great question. I'm writing a fourth step now um, where there's this sex inventory that is very detailed and intense. And, um, I, you know, it's, it's, it's bringing some stuff up, let me tell you. Like, the emotional hangover I'd have just from writing it, I'm like, this is outrageous. This is unnecessary. I don't need to do this. You know, like, and, and just like... Like, I remember, like, bawling, crying just, like, a couple nights ago and wanting so badly to call my ex-boyfriend and apologize for things that I did in abstinence, you know, like, seven, six and a half years ago, you know, and just, like, hating myself over these things and just being so ashamed. And I called somebody in program who has 30 years, you know, and her just being able to talk to me and say, you know... If you, it doesn't matter how many inventories you've written, because this is my third, you know, if you still have that charge coming up for you around this, probably God doesn't intend for you to live life with all that charge inside of you. Mm -hmm. You know, I doubt that you're being of the best service and the best version of Marlene with all of that still deep down. So stay the course, mm -hmm. you know, hang in there. It, you know, we do these inventories again and again. So if it's not perfect, it doesn't matter. You'll do it again and get to it, you know, but just do the best you can. And all of a sudden it was like, like, I really want to believe that I have to reinvent the wheel and like that I should, you know, I own like probably half the amount of like, um, self-help books that have like ever been published. Like even still, like I'm like still searching for like more solutions, you know? And and, and with that, like, it passed, you know, and I somehow have the willingness to work on a, the fourth step, you know, as my sponsor says, like, five minutes a day. That is 
the perfect amount of time. And I'm like, two hours a day, you know, and it's like, <laughs> no, or don't look at it for three months because it's so scary and intense, you know, and it's like, nope, five minutes a day is good, you know, and that is me being in recovery, you know. Do you ever feel shaky around food now? Like you want to overeat or eat outside your food plan? If so, what do you do when and if that happens? Um, so, I mean, now food is honestly pretty neutral for me. I will say that like recently, um, you know, like I work really long days. Like I work like 11 hour days and I bike to and fro my work, but it's only like a 10 minute bike ride. It's not, it's not that intense, but you know, like I get home and I'm really hungry and I don't like cooking for myself. Like I just, like we played like some game recently, like my friends, you know, like, like what, what would you like to like just grow on trees? And it's like, for me, prepared food. Like I just don't want to have to deal with cooking food for myself, you know? And, um, and so like, I'd much rather just have like ice cream for dinner, you know? And, um, that's not a meal, you know, like I was taught early on, like that is not a meal. And so like that has been something that I don't really want to bring my awareness to recently. Like I'd rather just have ice cream for dinner and just, you know, whatever. But then I noticed that if I have ice cream for dinner, um, the next day I want ice cream for dinner at the same time. And I want now twice as much as I had yesterday. So at least, so, um, that has been something that like has recently, um, you know, I've needed to do. And then also I can say that like in the beginning I had a lot of red light foods, you know, foods that my sponsor and I sat down with and sat down and talked about. And it was like, I couldn't eat like this particular type of ice cream. I was coming a lot. Maybe I should look at that, but this particular <laughs> type of ice cream, you know, that I binged on like for forever. And, and then like this, um, you know, I didn't have peanut butter for a long time and there was like other, you know, Nutella or whatever. And like, you know, and, and some of those things like have come off of that list since and I can have them and and they don't call to me but if they do you know I'm like there is I would do I will do anything to keep this abstinence mm. I truly you know it's we're not guaranteed if we relapse that we'll ever get abstinent again you know and I do not take this for granted so if there's anything that's like starts calling to me like it's I put it down, you know, and I talked to my sponsor about it and, and we just put it on like the temporary you know do not disturb list <laughs> Let's see. Okay, we only have one minute left, so okay. I'm not gonna yeah, ask forget. anymore. But thank you so much.